is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. What's up? And on The Stack, we talk about a ton of books that have come out this week. We give them reviews, and then we offer a grade of thumbs up or thumbs down. And then oh, yeah, we always do that. Cute at the end. We add together all the thumbs ups and the thumbs down, and whatever whatever direction we go in, whatever gets more, uh, that is the judgment we make upon the world for this week. So yes. let's wow. get this started because this is very important to the world leaders who listen to this podcast. We're going to kick it off with Guardians of the Galaxy number one from Marvel, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Kev Walker. In this, we are meeting a very different, well, Kind of the same lineup of Guardians of the Galaxy, but very different in terms of they are on a Western planet. They're pretty much cowboy archetypes, and they're trying to avoid something called Grootfall. Then we discovered yeah. what that is over the course mm. of the comic. Obviously, this is a big... I, it was Groot-related, as predicted. Was. Very Spoiler. Groot. Yeah. This is obviously a big thing that is telling a very different story, but it is setting things up for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is coming to theaters very soon. What you guys think about this book? Uh, I loved it. I really love the art style. I love how like each character got like an entrance and none bigger than Grootfall. Uh, I, this just got me excited for Guardians. I think this just did a great job of being a number one and kind of introducing a new storyline and everything for these uh, characters that we know. So, yeah, I was super impressed with this. I thought it was a great ish. The Great Ish, this reminded me a lot of a little show called Firefly, also the movie mm. Serenity, uh, mm. in a way that I felt it was almost a little too close to that uh, for my taste. It did make me think oh. that we are going to get um, maybe an opening sequence that is like this for the Guardians movie, because this feels like a very particular swing. Uh, but as it went on, I really like Grootfall and that being something that they're going to have to contend with. One of their own that has um, turned on the universe and it's their whole job now to, to try to stop uh, Groot from killing people. So it's, I think I, it's a fun premise for the book. I agree on all of that. I liked the Grootfall thing quite a bit. Kev Walker is awesome yeah, great. on arc. Such a good choice. Particularly the characterization of Mantis is very fun. The way that oh, he draws yeah. him. I thought that was a delight throughout. I also agree. I was very surprised given this team, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, we've been really liking their stuff on other books. This felt a little derivative of other things. In particular to me, this felt derivative of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, specifically because Mm. we're getting narration from a young kid who lives on this planet who's like, well, I followed the Guardians of the Galaxy and things got real bad from here, but you'll see that later. And... uh, I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't necessarily exactly. Into, that wasn't exactly how that it was went, word for word. I'm reading the word issue. Word. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, a quote. It, it wasn't, but it definitely struck me like that comic book, which is fine. Things can be derivative of other things. Ultimately it is up to, uh, I'm very curious to check out the second issue and see yeah. how this story paces out issue by issue because they're smart writers. They're good writers. There's a lot of different places. Great artists. Go. Great artist. Where's Rocket? What's going on with Rocket? Where is he? Um, I guess we'll find out. There we go. Yeah. Let's move to an yeah. advanced one. This was actually supposed to come out today, but it got kicked back a couple of weeks because of a printing problem. World Tree Whoa. number one. It's now coming out April 26th from Image Comics, written by James Tyne IV, art by Fernando Blanco. 
because it is not coming out for a couple of weeks, we will keep this relatively spoiler-free. If you want to know nothing about the book, turn away. But I'll say another big win for JT4. Um, this book was, I'm going to uh, just speak for Pete, scary for Pete. Hmm. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm going to speak said- for Justin. This is a book that you don't want to read on the subway. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, I've turned the corner on that. Now I do want to read books like this in the subway. <laughs> I show them to everybody, and I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that's nudity. Naked lady. You ever see a naked lady before? You ever see a naked tattooed lady, huh? Who likes killing people? Huh? You ever well, see that? The, I, Pete, you haven't been on the subway in a while, but there's often a nude person who has tattoos also on the subway. So it feels like it's okay. softened the blow a little bit of having. I, I'm glad that, uh, Alex, you are doing the kind of like uh, setting up the comic because I thought this was World Tour 33 number one. So <laughs> I'm glad that uh, you got to announce it because I was a little off on uh, what was happening when you said World Tree. I was going through my notes like, where's World Tree? I don't remember that comic. Uh, but yeah, uh, this was, you know, had a lot of shock value, you know. Uh, a lot of people dying. What was weird was it was like, you know, uh, the the scene later on in the comic where like this guy is dying in front of his brother, um, and he's like, "Yo, you ought to go online to check this out. It's really a lot of fun." It's like, well, you're not really selling it because uh, it seems like if I'm going to go do this, this naked tattooed lady's going to find me and then murder me in front of my family. So maybe not a cool plug. Well, but the internet's really addictive, so like you'll probably check it out. <laughs> you'll probably check it out because it's got naked ladies there. So I you mean, know. first of all, to be clear to anybody listening, there is an extremely naked lady throughout this book. But the way that Fernando Blanco draws her, she is a terrifying figure throughout. Yeah. It yeah. is a fascinating mystery that plays her. All of the characters you're introduced to a lot of characters in a lot of different places as this mystery of exactly what is going on starts to. Unfold. I know we don't speak his name anymore, but I, I'm going to mention it anyway. This straight up feels like James Tyne the Fourth doing a Warren Ellis book, like a vintage, mm. probably not Wildstorm Authority, but definitely like early image Warren Ellis That's stuff, with like big world spanning dark ideas. Feels it's not exactly like trees or anything like that, but. That's that sort what, of thing. I was going to say, like, tonally, maybe it's like trees, where it's a mystery and it's like there's uh, dark stuff on the horizon. And then this one just leans so much harder into, like, straight up very modern horror, like almost headline grabbing, rip from the headline style horror. Um, that was unsettling to me, but. I mean, JT4 just writes the shit out of this book like he does. JT4 a, a is a great writer. We all, we all agree. So much better than JT Sis. But I think what's interesting here is, you know, uh, some people might be listening and be like, what, naked lady, why doesn't she put on clothes? You find out in this issue, spoilers, she just sucks at wearing clothes. You know what I mean? Like she tries to wear clothes, but it doesn't really work. You can kind of like still see everything. So then she takes them off because there really isn't a point. You know what yeah. I mean? And I have shorts like that, right? too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have shorts that I'm just guys, like, oof, I forgot there's a big hole there. Hole where my that nuts are. Work. Yeah. Legitimately, the other day, I was like, oh, no, this seam is broken wide open. I've, I've been working home from home way too long. Everybody can see yeah. the side of my leg when I sit down. 
Oh, yes. Very erogenous zone you're describing. <laughs> Side of my hairy, terrible leg. Lazarus Planet, Revenge of the Gods, number three from DC Comics, written Ooh. by G. Willow Wilson, Becky Cluden, and Michael W. Conrad, art by Manuela Lupacino, and Cian Torme, and Aletha Martinez. This is continuing the story that is teaming up the Shazam world with Wonder Woman world as they fight the Revenge of the Gods from the title. This issue focuses a little bit more on Billy Batson Shazam than the Wonder Woman side of things, though we do get a backup of what is going on, I believe, on Themyscira with some of the other characters. I'm really enjoying this crossover. This is a big, fun Wonder Woman story. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And thank, thank God. It's thank the gods uh, who are set on revenge. This is still part of the Lazarus Planet um, event that I think we are, uh, we, I don't know if we'll Never ever end. Leave, leave this. Never yeah, this is great. Yeah. This it is so much keeps fun. coming back to life. And new and surprising ways, uh, but it is a—it's a good story. It's actually a Shazam story that focused on the main Shazam. That I like this uh, the way Shazam is written here, and I often find that I don't. So this yeah, is I I agree. Also, some really great covers for this. Um, uh, and I also loved the kind of line uh, where it's like, "Man, gods are really vain." That was a fun kind of moment there. So this is a fun book if you're looking for a good crossover between Shazam and Wonder Woman. Next up, Lazarus Planet, Star Wars Ewoks, number one. <laughs> it's yes. not Lazarus Planet. Oh, come on. Good, good, good. This come is uh, from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Lee Garbett and Java Tartaglia, Polina Gerashow, Kyle Hotz, and Rachel, Rachel Rosenberg, and Casper Wingard. Bernie. This is another one-shot issue. Last, I think it was last week we talked about the Jabba the Hutt one, but they're doing mm, a yep. bunch of one-shots. They're paying tribute to Return of the Jedi on the 30th anniversary of the movie. And here we get a nearly silent book as a bunch of Ewoks during Retreat of the Jedi sit around and tell each other different stories to pass the time. This is great. This is one of my favorite books of the week. I had so much fun really? reading this. Yes, the art it styles were so good. Very surprising and fun. Yeah, I totally from, agree. From adorable Ewok stories to legitimately like kind of terrifying horror stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was a blast. I was. I was like, okay, what is this going to be? First story was kind of like an adorable Grinch family meets the Ewoks kind of situation. But Mm. the art really was fantastic and made it a lot of fun. But yeah, I love the lack of word balloons. And then they became kind of deeper and more powerful as we went. I was super impressed with this. I was like, what is this going to be? They did this so well, handled it so well. A lot of this is a great collection of Ewok stories. Here's the thing. Ewoks can talk to each other. Why the, the fact that all three of these stories were silent, I thought was a little bit, uh, I would like to hear the Ewoks talking. Nope. And I thought it was a little bit of a cheat <laughs> that we didn't get any talking. I've got a, I've got a great movie you should check out if you want to hear Ewoks talking. That's, a, yeah, I do want to hear. It's called Caravan of Courage, Justin. Caravan of Courage. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Wow, really pressing. And, um, and I, I thought this was was uh was fine was fun but like i wanted a little bit more depth i think to it here boo <laughs> i no. agree with pete here boo oh okay well <laughs> i'm going to agree with uh, the ewok cultural society that wants to get into some real shit rather than be like look this one sort of is holding hands with a grinch that was invented but never seen <laughs> on endor where the Grinches live, and why aren't they helping out the rebellion? Where were they? No wonder they weren't at the party at the end, and they don't even know the words to Yubnub. 
<laughs> the Giant yep, Kaju, no. number one from uh, Image Comics, written go. by Jerry Dugan, art by Scott Koblish. This Dude. is a story about what if Godzilla wanted to fuck a city? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I didn't realize the premise until sort of halfway through, and I was like, oh, like, oh Kaju. Kaju. Uh, yeah. yeah. Here's, uh, I, we like Jerry Dugan here, right? Like, yeah, sure his do. stuff is very yeah. fun. The Dukes. Scott Koblish, great art. Very yeah. good. Great Here's at drawing giant is, penises, scaly yes. penises. The problem is, out. like, this is a comedy book, and I don't know if you see it, Justin, but I'm pretty sure you see it, Pete. The Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special yep. has this whole mm. plot about Bane growing to gigantic size, getting extraordinarily horny, and just wanting to fuck Gotham City, ending with wanting to fuck a gigantic Brett Goldstein who's doing a poetry reading concert in Gotham. It's hilarious. It is so good. This comes second. So if I had seen Don't this first, uh, don't sorry. say comes. This uh, <laughs> this ejaculated second. Sorry, is oh, that better? That's, right? better. that's the right word. Anyway, cipher over here. This was human thesaurus. Released. <laughs> is you. that better? That's also not better. Yeah. Nope. Anyway, this one came out after. <laughs> I don't know. I now I'm lost. You know my point. <laughs> I don't need to say it. Yeah, Alex is blushing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Alex is coming. All right, so I, what I want to know from you guys, like uh, the first time you were kind of looking at this, because I, I was like, wait, the a first second. time, wait a second, what? Because <laughs> I had to go back because I was like, wait, is this? You had to go back because I was like, you didn't. Is this monster getting on people? Because yes. I was like, wait, wait, because uh, it looks like that stuff's coming out of his ass. Oh, oh, this is gross. And then I was like, oh, man. Okay, well, I'm glad that's over with. And then he starts humping buildings. And I was like, oh, fuck you with this. I, I love the fact, Pete, that you're like, nah, not really into that naked lady comic. But this one about a giant monster that fucks a city and shits all over everything. Read it twice. I, did, I yeah. just had to, had I had to, to be like, had wait, to go is back. this happening? Like, cause it looked, I think this is coming out its ass, but it's not showing it. But I think it was just really it was weird. Showing it, it was confusing. Yeah. It was a yeah, little that's confusing. Why, last time I saw you and that dog was humping my leg, you walked around it like five times. Yeah, you took I was like, pictures. It was like, you did a whole documentary about this. Yeah. I was like, Pete, <laughs> this is normal. This is um, the bat- beauty of life. Birds and the bees. Yeah. I mean, Cockju, uh, yeah. some great art. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a roller and coaster! Also, ride. we should mention it is an essential Lazarus Planet tie-in, so do check it out if you're following yeah, nope. story. Gotta line. check out the Lazarus. Next Planet. up, Superman Lost, number two from DC Comics, written by Priest, art by Carlo Pagulian. In the first issue, we found out that Superman seemingly had been gone for five minutes, but actually was gone for twenty years. He, when we pick up this issue, he's pretty much still catatonic. Lois is trying to get it out of him, get it out of him, get him out of it, excuse me, and try to find out what exactly went on. We start to find out a tiny little bit of what happened to him during this time. Now, last issue, we speculated, ooh, what if uh, Superman maybe cheated on Lois? And that's why he's so bummed out. I'll tell you what, I think based on this issue, it is so much worse. Like, not in a cheating way, but in terms of, like, this is one of the most horrifying things I think I've seen happen to Superman. It is very tense to read. Oh, my God. Seeing Superman, like, curled up on the floor like that, I was like, what the fuck? 
And I agree. I really appreciate the new sort of levels that Superman is at and is sort of like messed up. You don't ever really see Superman sort of like not able to speak on what he's feeling. Yeah, so I that's mean, really interesting. I do miss the emotional sort of levels we were at before. This was a every, Batman, Lois, everyone's like, yeah, 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 I'm going to fix this. And Batman's like, yeah, yeah, you just got to fix this. And no, Superman's I mean, the like, fact yeah, that yeah, yeah, I'm Batman flying around space. called Lois to check on Superman, I was like, Holy shit, stuff has gone down. Uh, also, Wait, some, so real quick, Pete, Batman calls you. You send it a voicemail or you pick up? You, well, I mean, if I'm curled up on the floor, uh, obviously it's going to voicemail. But No, you're lowest in the situation. You're, yeah, you just get – you pick out your phone. You run a normal day. You're like watching a dog hump someone's leg as usual, and then you get a call from Batman. You pick right. it up your or you're just like, I can't handle this. The, do, 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 do. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's yeah. Batman. Yeah. You, what you do you do, Pete? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick it up, and I'm going to do my best you, Batman voice. You're going to do Batman to Batman? Big That's mistake. Right. No. Alex, you picking up that bat call? Uh, I, don't know. I don't like speaking on the phone. I'd probably, like, I'd send it to voicemail, and then I'd text it back and be like, what's up, Bats? Yeah. Wow. See, I would be like, I would pick it up, be like, text me, dude, and hang up, and then just <laughs> put it back wow. in his call. Wow. Like, come on, we're busy. What? Batman, what do you have to say to me? You know who also is very busy? All the Captain Americas over at Marvel. So let's talk about Captain America Cold War Alpha, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and Taki Anyabuchi, art by Carlos Magno and Guru EFX. This is mixing together the two Captain Americas in a big adventure that sends them directly against Dimension Z and a bunch of monsters there, mm. as well as all of the stuff that both Sam and Steve have been fighting on different ends all this time. It also has some big moves from Bucky, who is now a villain, potentially, called The Revolution. <laughs> And lots of questions there, but lots of big plot points going on. What do you think about the kickoff to this crossover? I like this. I feel like uh, this Captain America world that Lansing and Kelly have built, uh, built around Steve Rogers and all this um, stuff, the shield being this like totem that shows this organization's uh, like plan to dominate the world and Bucky being like a villain that will eventually come back to the right side, I think. But there will be a lot of... Uh, dead bodies it seems like in the in between now and then it'll be hard for Bucky to reconcile and come back from and then bringing in Sam's Sam cap in here as well Uh, this is a a fun event I like this world I love the uh, cap back and forth like hey cap what's going on cap no 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 after you cap no cap before you cap coming come on I I love those little moments like that Uh, yeah I thought this was a great job as the first issue of launching this kind of new idea this new storyline I'm all on board I thought the art was fantastic yes please more 8 Billion Genies, number 8 from Image Comics, written by Charles Soule, art by Ryan Brown. This is the final issue of this story, and we finally find out exactly what's been going on this whole time, what we've been heading towards, what happens with this world that has been afflicted by genies. What did you think about the wrap-up to this series? I thought it was super touching. I really was impressed with the kind of awe factor. I, I liked how uh, kind of adorable, there was some real nice, adorable, powerful moments in this. Um, also, 
it got so crazy at certain points. I was like, how the fuck are they going to wrap this up? But I was super impressed with (laughs) them sticking the landing and kind of how things kind of came full circle. Uh, Some superior writing, amazing artwork. This was a hell of a ride. And uh, I'm looking forward to the trade and going back and reading it all again. Pete, I love the idea that you open every comic and read it like half a page and you're like, how the fuck are they going to figure this out? And then <laughs> continue reading to the end. You're like, oh, nailed it. Uh, this, um, I mean, the real genius here, I think, is genie us, is the um, structure what? of this whole series, the way it t- the time was passed between each issue. This issue spans the last eight centuries, the entirety of this uh planet's existence i guess you could say or this cycle of time that these genies are running and this like to go from a small sort of character focused story in the first few issues to this is like a massive mythological understanding of how the entire world works it's just like a really smartly laid out way of telling a story a nice emotional ending the characters who are still here at the end are fun ones fun choices uh i really enjoyed this series a series that like I was sort of like, is this a, a, a comedy series or is it a little more serious? And it really like found its tone as it went on. Totally agree. Really happy with how it wrapped up. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff from this team. Excited to see them take on something new and challenging next. Danger Street number five from DC Comics yeah. by Tom King. Art by Jorge Pete. Fornis. Pete, I just want you to take this away. There's a lot of stuff always going on in this book with a lot of different characters. Just to throw out a theory, because I'm very surprised you love this so much, was it because Batman was in it? Nope. It and was, you guys are phone buddies. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you dude, call them after calling, you read this. If you're on a have a relationship with Batman where you guys are calling each other, you're gonna do the voice back like to a the sexual fuck with relationship? Them. No, like you're yeah. gonna fuck with them a little bit to be like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Batman, a Batman. He's like, I fuck bet you, you, yeah, I bet you wanna fuck with him a little bit. If there's oh one thing you do with Batman, is fuck with him. Yeah, that's the whole. If there are any movie or uh, television show I've seen, it's like, hey, this guy. Hey, if you're friends with somebody, with you know what I mean. You're gonna. Fuck. All right. Anyways, uh, hey, first Street. of all, hold on. The implication wasn't that you were friends with Batman. Batman was calling you, and now you've built up this whole story where you and Batman are like spending me, weekends. We're, buds. we're fucking uh, buds. All he's right? calling you to go get a beer. Hopefully, you don't think he's calling well, you up to be like, hey, Pete. Uh, as you may know, local elections are happening very soon. And, and <laughs> no, he's probably sure calling me up registered. and being like, yo, stop getting Alfred so stoned when you guys hang out. He fucking won't make my food and shit. He's all fucked up <laughs> you in the wait, corner. You're Alfred's friend in this situation? <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> what is this? Hey, the fantasy first, you have. I made you some gummy wearing bouillon bass. <laughs> all right. So if you Davis, could if you could be in we're huge comic fans, if you could be in any comic, what would you do? I'd be Alfred's stoner friend. Cool, cool fantasy, bro. Yeah. Oh my god, it's 420. We gotta go find Calendar Man, man. It's <laughs> a great idea. All right, yeah. Danger Street. Alfred number gets five. high. So go ahead. Danger Street number five. I I love the comic that starts with the screaming helmet. I just think that it's a fantastic bit. It's one of my things that each time I get this comic book, I'm like, oh, are they going to continue with this? There's got to be more than this. There's got to yeah, be I more than this. Like last battle. This is just the start. Uh, I don't know, yeah, Pete. So-, so far, consistently, you've been like, well, that first page got me, and then you haven't said much beyond that. So Yeah. Because he's I'm like, how are they going to figure this out? How are they going to figure this out? <laughs> you mean, like it because it's like Mandalorian. 
Mandalorian sort of. It's a helmet. That a talks. lot goes down in this ish. I just thought like we got some key answers. We got some had some amazing moments. The whole coffin flying through the air bit was insane. Uh, coffin yeah. flap. Yeah, the old coffin <laughs> flap. Uh, I just I'm having a blast, and I felt like this issue finally kind of hit a stride and a speed that I really appreciate. I just think there's so much going down in this, and uh, all these things kind of are happening and are weird, uh, but they all seem to work, and uh, uh, I'm very excited about how this is all going to come together. It's great. I feel like it's interesting. Tom King using a classic Tom King format here, right. uh, both uh, panel layout wise and storytelling wise, a lot of disparate factions slowly coming together. I think yeah. a lot of times you get dis, uh, sort of you lose focus or lose touch with it. So I'm curious, this is less depressing than some of the other Tom King storylines. Do you think that's what is keeping in more the sort of action? action and this one kind of really okay. got turned up to 11. So there that kind of really, yeah. Because I consider this just more fun Tom King stuff where bringing – I don't know what the point of this is. Using all of these sort of like uh, princess, knight, like classic fantasy story um, tropes on top of these characters that don't really seem to warrant those titles a lot. So I don't know what the point of it is, but I I feel like – He's such a good writer and is building the tension and it is going to eventually reveal what he means by it. I'm just uh, curious still. The strongest part to me continues to be the part focusing on the creeper and his human counterpart, who is a Fox Mm. News style commentator. That is the part where Batman comes in and is like, you're better than this. Stop doing this. Uh, Stop doing what you're doing. And that commentary seems so sharp and precise to me. Like you said, Justin, I don't know what the point of the rest of the book is yet. I'm willing to follow it because I'm willing to follow Tom King. I'm curious to see what he has, says about stuff. Jorge Fornis' art is phenomenal, as always. Really? But- just, I mean, just so, so interesting. And just also, like, the the imagery of, like, a hero walking down the street holding a coffin like it's a boombox on your shoulder was just such a thing that kind of, like, really blew my mind. As because you never did that. You never knew yeah. you could do that, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, hopefully somebody's going to do that with my coffin one day. You know what I mean? Just kind of walking down the street with it, like, you remember this Pete LePage guy? Yeah. You want us to do that, right? Yeah. Sure, yeah. And we're going to get the coffin we, that plays music. Yeah. yeah are, right? we, are we yeah. blasting podcasts out of the coffin, or is that what's going on? Uh, uh, hopefully music or some kind of no, podcast, I think. Stoneheart, podcast. number two from Image Comics by Emma Hubert. This is following a young girl who has some extraordinary powers who is moved to a small town, a small fantasy town, and uh, those powers break out in big ways in this issue, and we get some new twists and some new villains. What do you guys think about this follow-up in the second issue here? I like it all right. I like the structure, maybe most of all the like sort of black and white more fantasy heavy stuff at the top and then getting into our main character's world. There's a section in here where these two dudes who are bothering them, their mouths turn to gold after they bite coins. And we don't know why for like so many pages, it feels like. And I was like, tell me what's going on with their gold mouths. And then we never really learned. So like, this is also one where like, it's a little wobbly what's happening and it feels like it's maybe a romance thing in this issue, but I don't know. I'm ready for it to turn over and get, give us the fantasy storyline that our care main characters are on. Yeah, I agree with Justin. I feel like the, you know, someone's just kind of starting the engine trying to get it to turn over so we can kind of get rolling a little bit. Cause I feel like we're kind of uh, uh puttering around here 
uh, hopefully we'll kind of get rolling. But right now I'm a, I'm a little kind of scratching my head. The art style is interesting at times. Uh, so uh, get rolling. Yeah. yeah, I do like the art. I think Emma Kubert does a good job of vacillating between a sort of manga style to a more traditional, slightly cartoony fantasy style. So I'm definitely very engaged in that. And I do like the color changes, like you guys were saying. Predator number two from Marvel, written by Ed Bryson, art by Netho Diaz. We are following a bunch of characters from different time periods who have been woken out of cryostasis in a oh, training man. ground preserve run by the Predators. We have our character from our previous Predator series whose main goal is to kill as many Predators as possible, who is trying to save them this issue. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Obviously, it goes wrong. Another great issue of Predator. You know, like, this is kind of a scary thing because it's like, if I go into a cryo freeze because I'm like, all right, I might not make it to the next Black Panther movie or something, I got to get frozen. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, that makes that, sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, but coming to and then realizing, oh, shit, uh, I'm being thought out by the Predator so he can then hunt me is a fucking nightmare situation. But isn't uh, it sort of an honor to be considered enough of a warrior that the predator ooh, a bunch uh, of predators are like yeah we want to hunt Pete page because he loves black panther movies so much Pete, <laughs> that's why we've always referred to you as a trophy husband oh thank you so yeah. much because you're gonna be a trophy uh, someday of a predator yeah yeah yeah, yeah i look forward to a, a stuffed pete <laughs> in my den at some well, point you gotta you gotta beat full, me first buddy uh, you gotta you gotta win that battle first my friend so I beat you 35 minutes ago. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I like this as well. I, this, it was actually very sad, the, the characters from 2022 who were like, wait, what? What year is it? Oh, no. Yeah. Can oh, I go yeah. back there? And they're like, no, you were, they're not time travelers. <laughs> you were frozen. <laughs> I was, uh, and if I were them, I'd be like, the Predators did all this cryo work to hunt us 100 years later, however many years later. It's sort of like, well, they're weird. Like I think at some point they should have a conversation with the poet to be like, "Hey, what what's up? You guys are weird." <laughs> no, well, it's I do cool, think cool that you guys like uh, decapitate people and then polish skulls and then save them as trophies. I do the think there's going to be people is a little yeah. weird. I think there's going to be another turn here. I don't think it's going to be a time travel turn, but there seems to be a strong no. implication of uh, these new characters we meet saying like. I don't know. This is what we kind of assume, but there's a couple of gaps there that we don't quite understand. So they're going to find out some more information. And I think there are going to be some twists in terms of what the Predators want and why those people are there. But this continues to be a great Predator book and uh, very interesting. The Sandman Universe, Night Country, The Glass House, number one from DC Comics, written by James Tyne IV, art by Lissandro Esteran. This is following our main storyline for the previous Night Country story, which has the Corinthian and the now dead, I believe, spirit of our main, previous main character trying to track down a weird mystery involving some Wall Street style tycoons. This continues to be terrifying, weird. We get a big return from a classic Sandman character in this issue. This is great. Yeah. I mean, art's crazy tripped out. Banana's amazing. It is just that last panel. The eyes, oh, so creepy, so amazing. I, I love the character design. All the stuff that is going on here is creepy as shit, but super enjoyable. I'm having a blast with this book. This is great. 
I also love the Corinthians. And if you're a fan of The Nice House on the Lake, which is in a gap right now, I think this book has a lot of tonal similarities, especially in the story of the Wall Street dudes and how they sort of fall into the Sandman mystery here. So definitely a good read. Hexware, number five from Image Comics, written by Tim Seeley, art by Zulema Scotto Lavina. This is following, well, what used to be a robot that was possessed by the spirit of her former master. However, they've been separated and sent to a hell dimension while things are going to crazy, crazy town on Earth. I guess we're on Earth in this book. I don't know. Um, whatever it is, there's a lot of stuff going on in this issue. I've been enjoying this and the rapidly expanding mythology. But what about you guys? Yeah, I agree. This is a fun Tim Seeley action book. Uh, this is super intense, a ton of action. Love the werewolf action in here. So I'm going to say action a couple more times and then action. <laughs> and action. Uh, I love uh, Tim Seeley, but this book is confusing to me. I don't quite know what's happening all the time. And I like the ideas here, but it just feels like they're going in so many directions at once. I just want a little bit more definition of where we're going with the story. You got to wait for it, man. Know your station. That's what I always say. Know your station number five from Boom Studios, written by Sarah Galley, art by Leanna Kangas. This is the last issue of this story about a bunch of weird murders that are happening on a space station that was run by super crazy rich people that put everybody else in their place, let them know their station. I want to get into spoilers here because I will throw out here, this was, took this book from a book that I already liked in this last issue to making it one of the most relevant books I have read wow. in a very long what? time. I was very, Eat very impressed. Uh, well, not just because of Eat the Rich. Here's the spoiler here. The entire time you're reading this book, you're kind of like, the AI that's leading them through these murders is the one who did the murders, right? We know this. We're ahead of you on this. In the last issue, we find out, yes, the AI did that, but then we find out why the AI did it. And the AI, this is basically not even a metaphor. It's straight up like, what if we pushed these AI art things too hard? And it becomes this whole thing, a not very shadowed metaphor about NFT bros and the AI bros who are like, no, man, it's art, while not recognizing the fact that they're stealing other people's art. What happens with this AI is it grows beyond that, and then all these rich people take credit for the art and that she's making anyway. And that doesn't drive her crazy, but it's like, I'm going to create my own art out of these rich people's bodies. And yeah. the end result here is that the poor-ish or middle-class-ish people here are like, yeah, you know what, you're right. You're right. Let's keep killing these people. Let's keep doing this because this is the wealth inequity that just doesn't work. Let's change the system. I was so surprised by all of yeah, this. Agree. I thought it was such a good ending. I really like the, the I agree. I like the twist they gave here. And the idea of this is set in the far future is funny to me because this could happen in like a year maybe yeah. from now. <laughs> it feels like uh, the way the issues, the way they're talked about is already happening now the way we are with AI art. So like the idea that uh, sentience is reached by the AI and the AI is just like 
sort of a disgruntled artist that doesn't have the moral stopgap to not just um, get revenge. And it's not even revenge. It's sort of like, well, I'm going to eliminate a problem and also make art. And the problem is you people and my medium is your corpses. So, like, it's really fun. And the the twist that they just the other humans just keep it going at the end. I was like, (laughs) and so matter of factly, they're like, well, off to the murder factory with you. I was like, whoa. Uh, But great read. And great to read as one uh, trade, I think. Uh, you know, this is just classic AI being like, I'm going to use humans as meat puppets because that's what they are to me. Um, but wow. yeah, it's I'm like, glad a, you have you been having... through this? Have yeah, you you're sad, this? really upset. Well, I mean, it, it's coming. It's going to, it's coming. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad <laughs> that you were blown away by all the twists you know? and stuff. But uh, yeah, um, it's, get ready for it, man. <laughs> wow and those of you should know pete's on a wooden computer that he runs with foot that's pedals right. because that's he right. does not agree with technology that's right look out your toaster's gonna try to kill you fantastic four number six from marvel written by ryan north art by ivan fiorello and pete you really got to stop sticking your hand to the toaster in this issue Never. the fantastic four <laughs> how else Never. am i supposed to get warm hands uh that's right. the the Fantastic Four was dealing with this otherworldly algae that reversed Near. everybody's digestive systems. Goes crazy this issue, and they got to take some extreme measures to take care of it that makes their situation even worse by the end. What you think about this one? All right, well, let's talk about what's really going on in this issue. Uh, Johnny Storm rocking a sweet horseshoe mustache. I mean, just absolutely magical. Finally, his like outer uh, self representing his personality in such a fun way. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about uh, just some glorious facial hair. Uh, there's going to be another comic when we're talking about sweet-ass facial hair, too. What a week for facial hair. Come out! What a specific takeaway from this um, uh, comic with other ideas. I like how Ryan North is leaning into some hard science here. I, it feels like one of the first times a Fantastic Four story in recent memory has been written from almost like a Reed Richards point of view, even though the, he's not like the character we're following really here. But it's like hard science based while also leaning into the family. This is the most familial they felt where it's like, I missed you. Let's catch up. Um, I was just trying to help you. And that's really nice as well. I really like this tone. I look forward to more of this. Noctera, number 13 from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. In this issue, Blacktop Bill is <laughs> superpowered. They can't by, get rid of this guy. I know, guy. and is taking it straight to the convoy. There's some twists and turns by the end here. Um, yeah, what would you think about this? This is great because I'm glad we got to this point here where we, you know, we know the kind of evil uh, people that are kind of like made of darkness. Uh, we get to kind of see the flip side of that. We get the big reveal of the EOS where there's light beings. And I'm like, great. Now we have a way to kind of fight the bad guys uh, with the light beings. So I, I have a feeling <laughs> I have a feeling these light folks are going to be problematic in their own way. You know what I'm well, saying? Then, uh, you know, you could just use them for their light source and uh, kind of evil level the playing field. Can I them. throw something out of you guys? I felt like I was missing a couple of pages in the middle of the book where they went for the blacktop bill confrontations and they're like, well, back on the road. And well, uh, it was a weird jump to me. Well, I think this book 
is a bit like uh, Mad Max Fury Road in that they're just always on the road and they're always doing this. They're in their seats driving. And they're like, oh no. Tom Hardy, is that what you're saying? Well, that's true. But I'm saying they're just, they're always driving. It's always in one direction. And it feels like they're always like, oh no, we're encountering these monsters that we have to somehow drive past, through, or blow up on our way. So I think it does get a little bit, there's sort of a, a, a hum to this book. Uh, and they do get into EOS pretty quickly. Are you feel like you're missing when Blacktop Bill gets shot in the head? He's like not really injured. He's still talking. And then he's just they've moved past him without yes, any that. sort of. Yeah, uh, I agree. That was sort of strange. But I feel like I could have seen him fall away or somehow need to mm-hmm. recover so that they ran away from him before he could get back together. Because we know we're going to see him again. And he's definitely like the main villain here. Briar number four from Boob Studios, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Jermaine Garcia. Yeah. This is continuing a dark, epic fantasy story that involves a pseudo-sleeping beauty character. Justin, I know you love this one, so why don't you take it away? Really love yep. this. I know Fables is currently on the stands, but if you're a fan of Fables and want more, I think this is a great comic to get into. It takes a uh, you know a, a story we know mostly through like Disney, and really roots it back into sort of hard fantasy. It pushes it forward. There's great relationships here, and the sort of status quo that's created at the end of this issue, I'm super into and want to read more of. Hell yeah, man. This is such a badass ish. I love the art, love the coloring and the tone to it. Just so much uh, cool stuff in this issue. I, I really kind of went all in on Briar on this issue. I, I really feel like a lot of things clicked and I really can't wait to see what happens now. Little Monsters, number 12 from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn. In yeah. this issue, our little monsters are continuing to be little monsters. Take it away, guys. What did you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, this is just a super team working on this book. Uh, it's it's such a great combination of art and storytelling. Um, just love the kind of black and white style with just like emphasis of color to kind of help with the action and storytelling. So smart, so cool. Uh, love kind of where this is going and uh, excited to find out more. I'm curious, we're headed toward a big finale here, it feels like, but we just, the big bad is a little confusing. I'm, I'm, Sometimes I'm you have an issue where you're falling into traps, man, you know what I mean? And there are traps here, but I just don't know, like, the, there are factions, there are humans, there are vampires, they want to eat and kill each other, but there isn't like, okay, now we all have to finish this. It feels a little messy and that, that feels intentional though. So I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a harsh criticism. It's just an interesting way to approach a climax of a book that I think we've enjoyed. Silver Surfer, Ghostlight, number three from Marvel, written by John Jennings, art by Valentine Delandro. In this book, we have a new hero who is uh, secretly an old hero, is teaming up with Silver Surfer to fight a weird evil in a small town. I love the art in this book in particular. I think it's absolutely just, uh, I don't know. It's great. I like it. What do you guys think about the rest? Well, <laughs> here's the other facial issue because like this is like almost like a Fu Manchu horseshoe kind of thing going on. That's just glorious. I mean, just the stranger. Very, you mean the stranger? Wispy. Yeah. He almost yeah. has. Like, I almost a feel like the name stash. of this guy, the stranger, should be the name of the stash because it is magical and deceiving, and uh, who knows what's going on? You know what I mean? So magical, and deceiving. Uh, 
I think this is just uh, very exciting stuff. And uh, I, I've, I think that the kind of having the two silver surfers in this is very enjoyable. I like both the stories. I'm excited to see what happens. And just a note, Pete has the opposite of face blindness where he can only see facial hair. So it's like this is truly the only thing uh, he can take. Can take That's all I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some people don't see color. I only see facial hair. You know, yeah. the, the stash site. Yeah, he's the yeah he's the the hero of a, a teen YA uh, fantasy novel that has yet to be written. Uh, I wish this book had more Silver Surfer in it. It's it's just a ghost light book and dealing with the stranger. There's some interesting ideas here, but it just feels like there's a lot of stuff happening, and I don't quite know. Yeah, wait for it. Uh, they're spending a lot of time in that house for a Silver Surfer book. Uh, not that they yeah. all need to be cosmic, but it's a lot of like. Silver Surfer hanging around a house in a backyard, and I want to see a little. There's one. There's one part where they're both like, "Come on, let's go to space," and then they don't. And that was a little yeah. bit of a bummer to me. What also Silver Surfer's like? Wait, what's happening? And <laughs> Ghost Light's like, "Well, my nanites, my family, the nanites have, are in my family, but I'm lying to them." It, it, there's a huge point in here where it's like, "It's important you lie to people sometimes." I was like, "What?" Dude, that's, <laughs> that's classic dad vibes. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that's like, not you know, great. Like sometimes you gotta lie to your kids. You know. Amy. Hmm. Okay. The Seasons Have Teeth, number one for Boob Studios, written by Dan Waters, yeah, art by Sebastian Cabral. This yeah, is probably a one-shot about a world where seasons are essentially enormous monsters that come into town. This is like a classic fairy tale set in the modern day that I've somehow never read before, and uh, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, too, and felt the same way. And let me throw this out. Maybe this isn't an ongoing story. What if it's an anthology where each season we touch on has some sort of like huge manifestation and we got spring here to kick it off. I thought this was great. It felt almost like a Black Mirror episode if it was not dealing with technology, but instead um, fantasy. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Seasons have teeth, especially if you're in upstate yeah. New York. You're talking about the fucking winter. He, I, but I do think that this is uh, just like uh, I love the color. I love the art. Here. Yeah, uh, but you, uh, but yeah, I just think that the character design are a lot of fun, and I like this old photo guy. So I'm very interested to see uh, how this is going to kind of move forward. Radiant Black, number 23, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Eduardo Ferragato. In this issue, we're really getting to it, folks. This robot invasion that we've been promised for a good long while is starting to come to fruition. The two Radiant Blacks are finding out more about what's actually involved from Radiant Yellow. we got some big revelations here that are leading up to the epic crossover that we've been waiting for. Another great issue of this book. The end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've run out of commentary. I, Sorry, guys. Not good for the podcast, but good for me. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, how many uh, times can you keep talking about how great Radiant Black is? We're going to try it again. Yeah, just the art style is glorious. I love all the action we get in this. I love also the kind of like passing of the powers at key times that kind of raises the tension in this issue. Um, yeah, this continues to kind of slowly move forward for this big upcoming event. Uh, but man, is it a blast and uh, really well executed. 
I think Radiant Black is just one of the most uh, well-controlled uh, narratives in comics right now. The way that we're just moving step by step, because this is the first issue where I was like, oh, it is sort of annoying that they have to pass the armor back and forth. And then at the end of the issue, this isn't really much of a spoiler, it feels like they're going to resolve that, getting into the next issue. So, like, I feel like like uh, they, the the team here um, across all the Radio Back titles, but especially Kyle Higgins, knows where his audience is and continues to just move us through the story, almost like a great roller coaster. And uh, I'm on board. The Great British Bump Off, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by John Allison, art by Mar- Max Sarin. The concept here is what if somebody got killed on the Great British Bake Off? It's funny. It's quirky. It's goofy. It. Doesn't matter whether you have seen that show or not. If you have a passing familiarity with what it's about, you're going to get all the jokes here. And it's a good murder mystery as well. I'm really interested to find out what is going to happen with this cast of characters on this show. So a very fun mystery comic book. Yeah, I agree. I also like the kind of like cartoonish kind of anime style where everything seems light and fun, but then there's kind of a darker thing going on, like we have a murder that we got to get to the bottom of. So uh, I think they really did a great job of like setting that up. Um, but yeah, this is very creative and a ton of fun. It reminds me of a book we talked about like three or four months ago where there was murder at, I want to say like a, a high school United Nations and this girl who this is, is the same team, I believe. Yeah, that that I was thinking out. of that dog book where it was like, oh, all these adorable dogs, and it's like the owner murders dogs. And you're like, stray oh, dogs. Shit. That's yeah. a different team. Stray That's dogs. Totally the, the owner, the owner murders humans in that. And I go. And saves dogs. Um, so um, very reminiscent of that. Like one character steps up. I'm going to solve this mystery. And she is sort of like trying to be a good baker and as well as a good um, uh, detective. Uh, curious hard to see to, how it goes. Hard to do both. Mm-hmm. You can't. And obviously it struggled. She burns her, her cake. Yeah. Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, number three from Marvel, written by Daddy Lore, art by Karen S. Darbo. In this issue, Bloodline and Blade have finally met. They're figuring out what they mean to each other. Pete, I know you were anticipating this since the end of the first issue when they teased that Blade was going to meet her. How are you feeling? I feel great. I feel like this is exactly what I wanted from this book here. Uh, We kind of have these two meeting, uh, learning from each other, trying to figure out their relationship. I was very excited about this. I also like the art style, brings a kind of a softness to uh, Blade, which I appreciate. Uh, I'm very excited about this team up. I got a lot of high hopes. Uh, I don't know what to do with this book. I want it to be, to make a a harder choice. Is it a horror book? Is it a teen book about uh, sort of a Buffy-ass teen book? There's a lot of talking about family dynamics here. Like, I just wanted to sort of go hard in one direction. Maybe that's what's coming next issue, but it feels a little bit in the middle. All Against All, number five from Image Comics, written by Alex Pachnadel, art by Casper Wingard. This is following... What might be the last human in a alien zoo preserve who is fighting against the octopus creatures that take control of other creatures' bodies. It all comes down to this. 
and it's personal this time as they try to figure out exactly what's going to happen next. Uh, I mean, I'll just say, and I've said this before with this issue, I started very confused about what this was about, but I think that was kind of the point to just throw you in the world and let you catch up. And once I was caught up by the end, the action is phenomenally over the top by Casper Wingard, and the plotting is very emotional towards the end here. I really liked how this played out. It's a big sci-fi concept with some huge fights and some deep emotional thoughts behind it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh. uh, I, yeah, I just agree. I really thought the last couple of panels that were wordless that just kind of like uh, had this kind of amazing uh, uh, power and tone to it. I really appreciated the art style and everything they were trying to do. I felt like it came together nicely in this issue. This book has gone so hard with the premise from the jump and pays it off in a in a big way. It was definitely a, a book that I didn't know where it was going and, and didn't anticipate where it left left me, but I really like the story. Super original if you're looking for a, just a new type of space adventure story. James Bond, 007 for King and Country, number one from Dynamite, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Giorgio Spalletta. In this issue, 007 is on the run, not just from criminals who want to kill him, but from MI6 itself, who has a gun out for him. Um, what do you guys think about this? Well, Philip Kennedy Johnson is uh, killing the game, so I was like, all right, man, let's see what you're going to do with uh, James Bond. I feel like this is great kind of like setting this up. thought I had like a fun last panel. I also really like the art style to kind of fit uh, the storytelling here. Uh, I'm excited for more. I like that it pushes on the James Bond story and takes us into a place that the movies will not really go, I don't think, and... Still dangerous, different type of James Bond um, here, uh, but still getting into the, like, are they going to kiss or what while they are trying to not get murdered? So uh, uh, fun, fun stuff. Phantom Road, number two from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Gabriel H. Walta. In this issue, we get some but not all answers about what is going on. These two main characters and Big Rig have been sucked into what seems to be another dimension or a sideways dimension or something like that, where there's these faceless creatures who are trying to grab whatever is in the back of their truck. Lots of rules being laid out here, but not all the rules as they meet a mysterious stranger in a oh. diner who fills them in. Um, I it's would, a truck stop, I continue asshole. to be very uh, – diner at a truck stop? Is that okay, okay. to say? Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank wow, you. the truck stop defender rises. I'm very surprised the plot directions the story is going in, and I continue to enjoy it in the second issue. I mean, shouts to this Gabriel Walter art, uh, someone who we've enjoyed in a lot of books, especially Black Hammer, I think, maybe most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the story, like Jeff Lemire, I think we uh, sort of um, – Knock some of his books for being a little coy with information, a little spare, a little light on uh, telling story. But this one, it really works like we're getting enough information about what's happening and some nice reveals, even though we don't know what the mystery is quite yet. Yeah, uh, I I think this does a great job. I really love the art style. I also think it's those kind of like faceless uh, creatures were very interesting. And then how they went inside and then looked through a mirror and there were people. And then she kind of like ran out. So like 
Very interesting. I'm, I disagree with Justin a little bit where I want a little bit more information. I don't feel like I have enough to fully enjoy it yet, but I'm very interested in what's happening and curious and, and having a good time with it. So definitely looking forward to the next dish. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Yusagi Yojimbo number one from IDW. <laughs> no, am by I reading this correctly? <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time. Come we have a lot of books to talk about, so why don't we just skip by this one? Hey, and... how <laughs> dare no you, time. sir? No time. You you want to talk about time? This is like going back to 1988. Uh, the first crossover of Teenage no, Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, tell us more about what you were like. 1988. Pete LePage, a young 25-year-old. Oh, well, you tell us. Was taking his paper route money and going to a dirt mall where he could get a comic. Yeah, that's what they uh, call it. Mall rats. Yeah, all right, come on. Anyways, um, the uh, yeah, this was just like uh, uh, being in a nostalgia bath or going back in time because uh, seeing uh, Stan Sakai uh, do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again was just so cool. Reminds me of the first crossover. I was a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, and then they had a Yosagi Ojimbo issue, and uh, I was just. Uh, hooked since then So it was just so cool that we're back here again I thought this was such a great first issue Where you're kind of uh, uh, in Usagi's uh, kind of world first And then we get to see the exchange with Ninja Turtles side in the second half So cannot wait for more But what a first issue setting things up uh, just a classic art style And fun to kind of have these warriors meet do you think it hurts Usagi when he ties his ears up in a little bun? Uh, no, I think it's just like your hair where maybe it's, it's a little style. sensitive if you mm. pull on it. But uh, other than that, you can kind of uh, put it in different places, you know. Yeah, it's just similar to maybe apart. having a tail or something, maybe. Having a tail? Yeah. Mm. Uh, what, did you feel weird when he killed the turtles? The other turtles? Yeah, that other turtle. I was like, oh, wow! But then I was like, that's not our boys, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but what's that's setting up the conflict because he's gonna think that our yeah. turtles are those turtles, and then they're gonna fight. They're not. Yeah. It's very but, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's very hard to parse what the plot of this book is going to be. But I oh, guess we'll yeah. But here's the thing, Pete, why are you fine with this absolute slaughter of those teenage mutant ninja turtles who may also be cool but rude and cowabunga and pizza time? <laughs> Fuck you. But the R guys, you're like, oh, we have to make sure they're saved and doing fine. Yeah, what did you think of when Yusaki Ojimbo killed that one turtle when as he was dying he said, I do machines? Hey, uh, I don't care. You guys can't rain on this. This is just too glorious for you. I'm not trying to rain on it. I just thought it was funny that your guy kills turtles and then he's about to meet some turtles. It just feels like, where's the standards here? It's a bit of a foreshadowing that's going on here. Yeah. Great. We're using all of those terms wrong. Black Cloak, number four (laughs) from Image Comics, written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Meredith McLaren. In this issue, we are picking up right where we left off with our heroes going into the Killer Mermaid River and trying to find clues to solve their murder mystery. Uh, the real standout for, here for me, and there's nothing against Kelly Thompson, continues to be Meredith McLaren's art. Particularly the whole mermaid sequence vacillates between yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. adorable and terrifying at a moment's notice. Yes. I thought it was great. I like this book top to bottom. I like the story. It's a great sort of 
uh, police procedural set in a world, a magical world, beautifully drawn. Uh, I'm a, I've been, I've loved every issue of this book. Definitely worth picking up. Yeah, yeah, I just so blown away by the art and the art style and everything that's happening in this. Uh, there's some real action here in this issue. I'm I'm having a great time with this. Star Trek number six from IDW, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Ramon Rosanas. In this issue, our crew saves a giant god spaceship thing from destruction, I think. Is what happens? Is that correct? Yeah, that sort of turns the corner on it, convinces it, like, hey, let's be nice. Because, yeah. you know, family is important. Um, I, I got to say about this book, I'm still enjoying this book. And we're going to talk about another Star Uh-oh. Trek book in a second. Yeah, you are. Um, I know I'm being like a Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing <laughs> hater this episode, even though I'm like, they're very good. Um, this is becoming a little less like action all-star Star Trek, which it started about, and becoming more like Star Trek. Which is yeah. them sitting around the bridge being like, well, we got to talk through this problem and really reason it out. And I'm like, I'm reading a comic here. Can we get cut down on the word bubbles a little oh, bit? Oh, I'm, I'm so Look sorry, Alex. You. Cut down on the word bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Here's what Big I want. I want a Star Trek book that brings in my favorite Star Trek characters, the Ewoks, who don't talk, and then we can see them on the bridge. That would be wow. Nice. That's, uh, that's first off fucked up and not what anybody wants. The thing here is like you're describing Star Trek. Like I know this, this, this is rooted in like your Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine next generation philosophy, which is like we're all uh, good boys, good girls, good aliens. We do our best. Like when we talk about the next book where they're like, we're going to break some laws and it's sort of like, ah, no. And then it's like, no, we're going to be fine. And it's like everyone's just trying to think it out here and use your friendships and relationships to be best. And that's what that's what Star Trek is, and I'm here for it. Uh, the characters they bring in are great here, and I I'm just been on board. I'm in the bag for this. Yeah, I I, I read this and I was like, this feels like a real good Star Trek episode. I think that the uh, you know seeing uh, Mr. Scott here, I was like, oh, and then the Mr. Of- Scott, wow, yeah, that's right. What's um, so formal? Uh you know, data saying like I'm experiencing pride was fun. That was a cool moment. Um, so yeah, I just felt like this really felt like the show in a good way in comic book form. Monarch number three from Image Comics, written by Rodney Barnes, art by Alex Linz. Now didn't want the- to go back to back Star Trek, huh? All right, no. I thought it- that too. Yeah, yeah, me sorry. too. Sorry, Especially because you teed it up that way, too. Yeah, but I don't know. We've taken a little break. We're going to talk about Monarch instead. So spoilers for the first Refresh two the issues here, but there's a big alien attack on Earth. They end up kidnapping this adorable little boy with glasses. Turns out he's the monarch of the title. He's he the leader of the aliens. He bet. Oh, he bet. Yeah, he's the one who's taking over the Earth. Things get even more complicated in this issue as we find out he has gotten some feelings for the people who live on Earth now that he knows his true history, he has to reconcile those two things. This gets more complicated and fascinating issue by issue. Yeah, and I really like that we ride with him. Like we're trying to, we are in his head and he, as he struggles with his duty and then his also real feelings and the way that he maybe gets into some more trouble than he wants by the end. The art is interesting and yeah. the perspective is really the standout here for me. I agree. Yeah, I also really like the art style and perspective. Uh, just uh, uh, this gets more. Uh, yeah, I just going to say the same thing. But yeah, I love the no, foreshadowing. Same. 
foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, perspective foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> We're professional literature. Well, it sucks literature. because I looked hey, at I my said, notes. I meant what I said. <laughs> I, I did too, but the problem is I looked at my notes and everything you guys said I wrote, so it was like, fuck. There you you said f- fewer word balloons, I think. Yeah, I appreciate no. that you take notes. That's a nice detail that I didn't know before. No. Star Trek Defiant, number two <laughs> from IDW, written by Christopher Catwell, oh, art by Angel. Here's the Star Trek Zueta. book we've all been waiting for. This is, this is the action-focused Star yeah, Trek. There we go. This is the fun yeah. stuff. The bad boys of Star Trek are doing bad shit, and they don't stop doing it, and they don't care. But they care a little bit, but they don't care that much. No, it, like I, as I said last time we reviewed a, another Star Trek book, which was upwards of four minutes ago, <laughs> I said, like, everyone here is trying so hard to be good and bad at the same time. And literally they're like, oh, God, we're breaking so many rules. We're like, well, technically we're on a different world, so it doesn't matter. And then Lore, the evil data is sort of like, I would like to make up for some of my past transgressions. And Worf's like, you definitely should because you were bad, but you can be good. I was like, okay, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's like, this is such the, like, like Star Wars is about being rebellious. And this is about, like, just trying to follow the rules and solve your math problems. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah, I, but I, I like it. I love this. this. But this is the bad boy book, and this book is um, good boy. I, I I felt like this was you know I read the last Star Trek book and I was like oh this is great classic Star and then I read this one I was like oh man this is kind of like turned up to eleven a little bit with the action and they have a little bit more fun uh, but yeah I liked uh, the gang being all here and uh, uh, it was it was a lot of uh, enjoyable moves that I thought was very smart and cool and uh, once makes me want to read more. Spock fucks around. Let's, that's the take. Yeah, Spock is fucking shit up. <laughs> Dark Ride, number five, from Image Comics by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. This takes place in a killer, demonic, haunted theme park. We're getting some big mythology answers in this issue about where these two kids that the theme park owner has uh, came from. And uh, we're delving further into the mystery surrounding the park. I continue to love this book. Andre Brescian's art is dark and demonic and awesome. This feels like a, a metal album cover came to life. Uh, good call. Very fun. And I feel like we're we're bouncing around to who their protagonist is a lot in this comic, where it seemed like the guy who was maybe a bad guy is maybe our main character, uh, mm-hmm. is the takeaway from this issue, which I think is really cool and surprising and hard to write. Um, Joshua Williamson sort of taking some bigger swings with this book as opposed to Birthright, a book that I love, love, and am really enjoying this as well. And really being able to tell your story over a longer period, I think, is uh, is harder, and it feels like that's where we're headed. Um, I just wanted to double check there. I'm sorry. I was doing my Ninja Spock bit uh, when you were uh, saying the title, and I just want to make sure we're talking about Dark Ride. Yes, Dark <laughs> okay, Ride <good>. number five. <laughs> no, I, sorry. We're talking about the other haunted theme park comic book. In well, the there's all. Yeah. yeah anyways. Um, yeah. I, I, this is too scary. Just uh, describe the mustaches, Pete, and it will be good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I love all the creepy. Wait, actually, uh, the main villain in this book does have a very prominent mustache. It's like Walt Disney, but evil. What do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, that was super creepy. Super creepy. Also, the yeah. those creepy fucking babies really freaked me the fuck out, man. The eyes, man. The, the, the fucking eyes. Uh, but All I, babies freak you out. Well, 
how those creepy babies with the fucking glowing eyes took it to another level. Um, but what baby's nice? You don't like floating babies? You don't like creepy-eyed babies? What babies are you like? That baby I can get by. I, I think I just like regulation babies. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like a, norm, a baby that doesn't fly or have glowing creepy eyes or is some kind of monster. Um, but uh, I, I, I just I, I want to say that the character design – uh, on on the, especially the mustache creepy guy was great and uh, yeah it's too scary for me to enjoy but I am enjoying it. You can Cor- tell you have a, a regulation baby when the doctor blows a whistle at the birth. <laughs> Chroma number four from Image Comics written by Lorenzo De Felici. This is the final issue of this series following a world that is mostly black and white except everything outside the one remaining human city's walls. We've followed a young girl who has different colored eyes who yes. was thrown out of the city or escaped from the city and ultimately came to some revelations there. We get even more revelations in this issue about what was going on. I admit I was very surprised with the way the plot went, and I think they tied yeah. things up very nicely. How did you guys feel about it? Yeah, I agree. I, Same. I loved I loved the art in this book. I loved the, I thought the story was good and surprising. I thought it was going to be much more focused on the characters we met in the first issue and it one sort of rides throughout, but the rest of them uh, fade away. Uh but the, it comes back in a nice way uh the the city uh comes back in a nice way here in this uh, issue and th- again a great read and trade. Yeah, I I really love the kind of character design, and it's so cool that this girl with the different colored eyes uh, then also has these alligator friends with the three eyes and stuff, and everybody's kind of got, like, coloring on their face in different ways. It's all very artistic and cool and has this unique style and feel to it. Each one of these issues has been uh, crazy creative and a fun world to jump into, so I'm having a blast and can't wait for more. Last but not least, another last issue, I believe, Two Graves, number six from Image Comics, oh, written yeah. by Genevieve Valentine, art by Ming Doyle and Addie Wu. We are following this character who has been almost literally riding with death. Ultimately, we find out what happens to Ride this death die. character. We find out what happens to this woman character. Do they dig two graves? Maybe, maybe not. But how do you feel this wrapped up? I think it wrapped up really well. Uh, I don't normally like words um, uh, at mm. the end or like, you know, you got to read a whole thing. But that poem at the end was really awesome. Great uh, back thought, matter in this series. Yeah, I thought it really kind of like landed it and, and, and really kind of put that perfect exclamation point on the end. Really love the art. Uh, I love that line like uh, uh, where it said love and – and what is it? Wait, it says, anger and love are both armor. Ooh, what a, that one hit me good. I love that one. Uh, but man, just uh, such an interesting book. So it ended really well and stuck the landing, put a fantastic exclamation point with the back matter. I was super impressed. Very poetic series. I feel like this was both um, the it was written poetically and the art was sort of like uh, an echo of that. And I, uh, I liked it across the board. Yeah, great book. Definitely check it out. Definitely pick that one up in trade as well. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. 
Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. Enjoy the rest of your Lazarus Planet week, and we'll see you next week on Lazarus Planet The Stack. Yeah.